Welcome to the Firearms Trainers Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I'm your host, Rob Beckman. Today, we'll be talking about training women in today's firearm world. We bring you this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Firearms Trainers Association. Head on over to their website at ftaprotect.com to learn more about their instructor coverage they offer and their competitive pricing. Receive a special 10% off on your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is brought to you by Barrel Block. It's everyone's responsibility to safe with a firearm, which is why in every class I teach, we stress safety to the students by ensuring every gun is picked up is clear. But recently, I got my hands a hold of a barrel block, and now I use it in my classes all the time. It is a caliber-specific device that can be installed without disassembling the firearm and physically prevents the firearm from firing and is visible to anyone around that the gun is safe. If safety is your number one concern during your classes, then you need a barrel block in your range bag and for your classroom presentations. Today, we'll be joined by Lisa Murphy. Welcome, Lisa. How are things going for you on this great day? Wonderful. Thank you, Rob, for having me. Great. Love having you on. Um, talking about some women topics because women are the fastest growing segment of the firearm training population. And I think it's important for all trainers, no matter what they're what they think their audience is, is to kind of understand, you know, how they might be able to expand their audience or better connect with their audience either way. And along those lines, many of our listeners may not know who you are. Can you give us a, a, a brief bio of what your background is and how you got into the firearm industry? I would love to. Thank you. Um, so my name is Lisa Murphy. I am the National Director for Second Amendment Foundation Training Division Women's Programs. I'm also an NRA training counselor and certified in all the NRA certifications and um, have the National Safety Council Instructor Certification. So that is recognized by OSHA, which is the Ohio um, Safety Council. And um, I'm an also uh, elementary school teacher. So I know that science sounds kind of oxymoron there, but uh, unfortunately in this ever-changing world, that's definitely needed. You've got an impressive background there, not to mention an impressive day job that keeps you hopping to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. Mm -hmm. But I think it gives you kind of a unique perspective because you're, you're not you're not working in the industry to where you're going eight to five and you're working at a gun shop. Um, you're actually going to places to where people may not be completely educated about it. And probably there, there are chances where you've had conversations, uh, with parents or other teachers about, you know, what's going on or how to go along, deal with certain things in a, a effective way. And that's where being a trainer and, and taking those teachable moments and, and, capitalizing upon them is uh, extremely uh, good to do. Yeah. And Rob, honestly, from my background, um, most people would be surprised to, to know that I was not raised around guns. I um, was that what you think of the stereotypical female that was quote unquote fearful of them. I married a uh, deputy sheriff that was no longer in that industry at that time, but we had a lot of guns around and I was taught how to pull a trigger. But from my perspective, it was scary, made a big loud noise. And I, I really didn't understand it. And it was only many, many years later, as in like 
over 10 that uh, it started to get where life changed a little bit. And I went and took my actual first training course and it became the, the difference between fear into education and that became empowerment. And it was that light bulb and uh, that light bulb went off and it made it very personal. And I felt like at that moment, everybody, men, women, younger children needed to understand that difference between fear to empowerment and, and start to have an appreciation for the power of the firearm rather than the fear for a firearm. Mm-hmm. And understanding it. So we're not fearful of it. We understand how to, how to, how to control it effectively and to use it when appropriately those, those kind of uh, situations. Oh. And your daughter's a pretty good shot too, from what I hear also, isn't she? Uh, yes, she is. She has actually moved up and she now uh, shoots competitively and she is the youth shot. She will be turning 15, uh, end of December and she she has turned very well and and again we go talking about the female industry and and the education that goes behind it um my family itself had a very much of a problem with me beginning to teach my daughter how to shoot and that discussion that open uh discussion turned into me being able to express that my daughter uh, the way I teach it kind of in my classes is curiosity killed the cat. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to think that I could control my household and the firearms and things in my household. Um, I'd like to think that I at least know what goes on in the household of the friend that she goes to. But I don't know anything about the neighbor of that friend that they go to. So at least by educating my child, you and at that time she was like four or five years old by educating my child to you see a gun you stop you go get an adult um but more importantly you never allow a muzzle to be pointed at you or anyone else Mm -hmm. um then moved as time grew on to uh having a love for and appreciation for her, but also the idea that, you know, teaching how to do a basketball shot could maybe get her a scholarship and yeah, keep her healthy, active that way. But by teaching her how to use a firearm properly and safely could actually save her life in addition to getting scholarships. Because I think one of the unknown pieces out there is that there are a lot of firearm scholarships out there for our children. Mm-hmm. And, um, there's a lot of unclaimed ones. Yeah. As I understand it in the, uh, NCAA division three, the number one scholarships that go unclaimed every year are the shooting sports, archery, your, your rifle, uh, shotgun, all those. And, Ohio State's got one of the best pistol teams in the entire United States. Michigan State has, you know, a fantastic facility up there. And those are just the ones that that I know about. I'm sure there's a heck of a lot more that I don't know about since I'm not, you know, actively in that field all the time. Yes, being in Ohio, you know, we are the OH Buckeyes. And I want to say that put props out there for Ohio State. They are multiple number one national champs 
multiple years in a row. So Mm -hmm. yeah, we're going to try and help those uh, unclaimed scholarship numbers go down. Yeah. Well, if it, if it helps anybody out, I think it's, I think it's a good thing getting them to college and at the same time, uh, keeping the college expenses down. Um, well, Hey Lisa, I got a quick question for you. Can you give our listeners a little bit of rundown on what the, uh, second amendment foundations, uh, women's programs is all about and, and what you do with them? I would love to. Well, first of all, second amendment foundation, uh, training division, also known as SAFTD. Um, is overall mission is to provide and enable law-abiding citizens to protect themselves and their loved ones through the solid defensive training. And our primary responsibility is to the student to um, give that allegiance to our instructors and the knowledge that they can provide to help keep individuals safe and um, help protect their loved ones. Um, As far as the women's division, uh, we are not what we would call that that typical where we have the groups or whatever. Our idea here is that women can train right along with those males, but that the women division does provide a little bit different um, perspective in the fact that women do train differently. We have a little bit different lingo. We have a a little bit different thought process. You know, that's where they get that whole men are from Mars, women are from Venus type thing. And as any trainer, um, you know, I've grown so much from a lot of the male trainers, but I've grown so much from give props out there to Vicki Farnham too, one of those leading female trainers out there that has kind of paved the way for women trainers and the way that women think and learn in the firearms training industry. So our idea is to put it out there that, yeah, the women uh, can understand and compete, can train right along with the men, but that we complete those same drills, but in a different means of communication or other needs that we have to be aware of. So how can we convey that mindset, that same mindset of firearms training and the understanding of firearms, um, but in a little bit different way, as well as the way that we carry is a little bit different. And it's very easy as we're talking about training for a lot of trainers to say, oh, always carry on body and always have it on your you know, dominant side holster. And, and we've got to get away from a lot of that mindset to be able to educate the pros and cons to the multiple different ways of carrying and then make the person able to make the conscious decision, but know the cons that may go along with the pros to the, the, the type of firearm that they're carrying, the method of carry, um, the when caliber, they're going to carry, you know, yeah. when, all, all those kind of things. I mean, it's hard to go along. I mean, if, 
if somebody told you that at three o'clock this afternoon, somebody was going to break down your door or, you know, assault you on the street or something else like that, there'd be two options to one, you wouldn't be there or two, you'd be ready, you know, and, and ready to take care of the situation. And those are the types of things where if we had perfect foresight, we would change what we're doing. Um, so that we, it wouldn't happen to us, but in the, in that we're living our lives, we also have to have that balance between, you know, summer, winter, you know, how, how much can I carry or how much can I conceal on my body when it comes to the gun? How much of a gun can I handle, you know, when I'm shooting it versus, you know, do I shoot a 22 or do I shoot, you know, a big, you know, 500, um, Smith and Wesson round, something along those lines where, um, you know, those are two, two big extremes. There's, it's hard to say what's going to work for everybody, but you can't educate everybody on what those pieces are so that the man who, you know, has a diff, doesn't have the athletic build can go along carry just as much as the women, uh, a woman who runs a lot. I mean, each one of them's got a different uh, figure, obviously each one of them is going to have to carry slightly differently and for different reasons too. Yeah. And as we talk about aging, um, as individuals age, you know, that may change in the caliber that they can do. And, you know, I do teach a lot through, um, examples and stories because being an educator myself and raised by educators, um, education, whether it's the firearms industry or in a, a school setting, uh, is in my blood. And we know that humor, making things where people connect to it and making it personal is how that education can happen. So I do teach a lot through stories and, you know, good or bad, my family comes up in a lot of them. But my mother, like I said, I was not raised by firearms families. And my mom is one of my success stories. My mom was definitely one of those. I I can't necessarily say anti-gunners, but I would definitely say she did not find any use. She was one of those that said, I've made it this far in my life without needing a firearm. Why do I need one now? And she definitely gave that age old story of, if you're going someplace, you need a gun, then you shouldn't be there. And mm -hmm. I, my, always, my response was, mom, I'm not going someplace I know I need a gun. But I am going to tell you, if we're out and something happens, you're not going to look at me and say, now, don't you pull that gun? I taught you better than that. You're going to look at me and say, save us. Mm -hmm. And and since then, I will say that my mom has come very far and she now has her concealed carry. She now owns her own firearms uh, and uh, has has found a need. And, you know, I joke because I just tell dad to duck. Cause mom will protect him. <laughs> there you go. That's, that's, that's a family that sticks together. You know, that's good. Yeah, and, and, and that going along with, as we're talking about caliber, I mean, everybody gets in those de big debates of caliber and I go back to, it's the effectiveness of the use of the caliber. I really don't care whether it's a BB or whether it's, uh, one of the large cow guns that, you know, only the, military has it's the effective use of it and so my mom has arthritis very bad and she can fire a nine she's practiced with me with a nine very often but 
over a long term, it hurts her. And Mm -hmm. so my mentality here, and this is where I have evolved in my years of training, um, that I knew that my mom would not practice regularly if I forced her to have the nine. And I knew, I just know how my mom's mind works, that she would do a lot of those distractive thoughts when she would ever need it. And seconds count in those times. And so I knew she would go, oh, I, this is going to hurt. And, and I don't want her hesitating. So she does have 22. But again, as I was talking about really needing to educate on the pros and cons of it, I've made my mom very aware that she is going to need those effective placement shots. And she may need multiple on target to get that. But that lack of hesitation, I feel out trumps and she feels out trumps the, the, the larger caliber. And now I also know she practices regularly. Mm-hmm. And, and so for me, just providing that education, and that's what one of the things when I train instructors, men or women, really providing that openness to hear and connect with their students, because that's when you're going to learn and when you're able to do your best teaching. Find out, find out those students and what their needs are so that you can provide them the pros and cons and they can make those effective decisions. Outside your mother, why do you think women um, are hesitant about taking training a lot of times? Well, I've had this conversation a lot with women as well as myself in going through. Um, A lot of it, I think, is that stereotypical. Um, The idea that we're in that age that, oh, the men protect you. Well, we're in an age now where that independence is there. And, you know, I go back to women need to understand their value and that they're needed in the family and the role that they play, but also getting away from that. Anybody who trains has got to become that GI Jane and, and no, we, we are all individuals and you can use it with the education, whether it's just the mindset, using the idea that all of us, are valued and have a role to play in society, in our families, and and valuing that you're needed. And that is where that that empowerment needs to happen. I mean, too often we get to where our our females, when asked, could you use a firearm uh, to take a human life? Because let's be frank about it, that's that's gonna be now, granted, you're going to use it in a defensive purpose, but you may end up having to take a human life to protect others. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, no, 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 I couldn't do that. And when I was asked that, I, I gave the same response. And they said, what about if it came to protecting your daughter? And I was, oh, Katie, bar the door. I'm there. Mm-hmm. Well, through my evolution and then what became important to me to get out there was why did anybody else's life value more than, than mine? Mm-hmm. And, and that was one thing I really, that has stuck with me from Vicki Farnham as well, because 
what would happen to my daughter if I wasn't around? Right. What would happen impact in my family? Um, you know, thinking of parents having to bury their own children. So letting women know that they are valued and they need to do what is needed. And that comes to firearm training, but also getting that medical training right. that is so vital to help save in those very important, impactful minutes if somebody is injured. Yeah, we've gone along several times on the podcast, talked about getting medical training because it's not that you expect somebody to get shot at the range or that you're going to go along and hope, you know, you get into a gunfight with somebody, but that we drive around in life and we see accidents. We have people that are using knives and we're, you know, it's just, it's Thanksgiving time of year and, you know, people are going to be carving turkeys, um, you know, during the holidays, different things like that. Somebody could slip. Grandma could cut herself. You know, somebody could have a heart attack. All those things are stuff that you need to know the basics of how to go along and keep the, keep the fluids inside the body and get it to get that person to professional help versus going along and sitting there waiting. Because as we say, you know, when seconds count, the police are minutes away. Well, my, you can say the same thing about the fire department. You know, fire departments will be there in five minutes in a good place, maybe longer if you're in a rural area. And those, and those minutes are extremely valuable when it comes to tr trauma care and just trying to save somebody, you know, tourniquet use, gauze pads, uh, all those kind of things are extremely important to know. And you're just at a car accident or, or a place like that. It's, uh, you know, all those are great examples and that's not even on the range. Something's on the range. Yes. You, you want to do it, but where are most ranges? They're out in the country someplace away from the inner city, which means that the response time there again is what, maybe 15 minutes, maybe 20 minutes before they can get there. Those are all things to take in consideration get the, and get that, uh, trauma training around there. Well, and all my medical training I took in, it started with the idea of needing it because of firearms, but the only implementation of it I have ever actually had to use were car accidents that I happened to be the first one who rolled up on. And uh, that's the only time I've actually had to use it. But thank goodness, all three of them that I've had to use it, I was thankful for having, and the individual was thankful for me having all of my trauma kits in my car. Um, so what started out as training for me for firearms has not ever had to be luckily, thank you, uh, used for any firearms related accidents. Mm -hmm. And that's a good thing. I got a question for you. What kind of courses do you think, uh, women are looking for? I mean, we talked about some firearm courses, some medical courses, but are there any specific types of courses you think are really, um, appealing to, to women? I would definitely say um, we're, we're talking defensive use. Um, in, in all of my training, the, the leading courses I know for Second Amendment Foundation Training Division uh, are definitely those defensive use. And, and we are related to that defensive industry. Um, and it's beyond a CCW. It's beyond that. I want to carry because frankly, let's just put it out there. We know that a lot of people take it and get their license and then are very sporadic in their carrying. But the knowledge from a good defensive training course is what's going to stay with you 
if you have that firearm with you or not. And so it's definitely in that uh, women's defensive handgun uh, in just a defensive handgun course in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's you've got to get trained above and beyond your, your basic concealed carry and then make sure that you know you've got the right mindset as well as the right skills to be able to apply in a defensive situation. Do you have any suggestions to our listeners out there about ways to market their courses to women? Um, you know, I, I think it all depends in the area that you're at and, and where your expertise comes. Um, I obviously train at my own facility, but I also do some, some guest training in, in other areas. And I do some travel as people will bring me in to do specific training. Um, in some areas, those women's only courses are very, very popular. And when I say a women's only, it's not because we're trying to be secretive or put any, you know, specific training needs, but it goes to that comfortable and, and the student being comfortable. If any student is not comfortable in the setting, whether it's cold, hot, smells, whatever, uh, whether you're hungry whatever it is, it's being comfortable to absorb the knowledge that's there. So a lot of times females do feel more comfortable in a class with other females. They're at ease to maybe answer some questions that they may not ask in fear of a reaction from either the male instructor and or other males in the class. So I do know in certain areas, the women's only courses are very popular. Um, I do know in some areas that the couples courses are very popular because we all know you learn differently from your significant other than you do from an individual professional coming in to train you. Mm -hmm. Uh, The tones that are being used are much different. And, uh, you know, whether the bacon got burnt on the way, you know, for (laughs) breakfast before there can influence how something is said. (laughs) So, so definitely offering some of those couple courses are, are very popular as well. Very, very, very good. Hey, Lisa, we're getting up uh, about our time limit here. If people are interested in finding out about you, the second amendment foundation training division, women's program, and the courses that are being taught, where, they, where can they find information uh, for you? I would love to have you reach out and uh, check out all of our offerings at madducktc.net. So that's M-A-D-D-U-C-K-T-T-C.net. I also have Gunsmoke Firearms and Range. My website is currently being revamped, um, but you can find us there. Also, you can check out um, Second Amendment Foundations at saftd.org. And um, there's a locator for area ones. Uh, Get in contact with me. I'm happy to help in any ways that I can. Well, that's great. Hopefully, uh, somebody will uh, maybe reach out have you out to their range or, uh, you know, come and join you at one of the, uh, one of your classes. So that's uh, great information for everybody to have. Well, that's a wrap for today's episode. And we have a few requests for our loyal listeners. Visit our sponsors, especially the Firearm Trainers Association at ftaprotect.com. 
And remember to use promo code FTP10 for 10% off at checkout. If you have any ideas, questions, feedback, please email us at FTP at concealedcarry.com. Follow us and encourage other instructors to follow us on social media, on Google Play and iTunes. Try to get great information out there for our, all our listeners. And if people aren't receiving it because they don't know about it, then we're not reaching our entire audience. If you have a chance, leave us a review and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Google Play or wherever you listen to podcast app. Remember, we bring you this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Stay safe, everyone. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.